With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to the Bleacher Connection, a part of the Belly Up Sports Network. Here are your hosts, Ken and Trevor. And welcome to the show, everyone. Got another big one planned out for you today. Pretty uh, specific to one sport, one team. Trevor, how are you doing today? Ken, I'm absolutely fabulous. Um, I, I don't know, this is something like our 75th episode, and uh, I don't think I've ever seen you so nervous off the hop right there. <laughs> 85th. It's our 85th episode. Is it 85th? Holy 85. Smoke. Yeah, Coming we're up, up there. on 100 here. Holy. Pretty close. Pretty close. That's crazy, but I just got to give you a hard time there. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a different day. It's a different day. It's uh, we usually go on a Sunday. It's it's not Sunday, so it's a little it's a little different today. Yeah, you know, fair enough. I guess we're a little out of our routine. Uh, Easter weekend, we decided. Well, we got the family stuff going on this weekend, so we figured, hey, why not? Let's record a little bit early. Let's talk some baseball right after a big Blue Jays you know, a series against the New York Yankees. We thought, what better time to talk about it than right now? So, yeah, and, and Will, with that too, to, just so that off the top people know, there's been a little bit of a change with the radio situation. It is on a bit of a hiatus right now. So we may be recording on different days and dropping episodes midweek. You know, we're doing our Jays in flight. And if something big happens with the Jays midweek, we might throw out a... 25, 30, 40 minute episode, strictly talking about the Jays, keeping that Jays in flight going. We're going to do it every week, whether it's a, a baseball specific show or just a one-off. Yeah. Whether they go 0 and 7 or 7 or no, we'll have lots to talk about. With the <laughs> oh, there will be. <laughs> There's lots <laughs> to talk about. Before we get going on that though, um, Ken, I need you to e-transfer me a couple hundred bucks. I'll, I'll let me uh, let me go grab my BlackBerry and I'll get right on that. Okay. Well, the reason being, I'm taking my kiddos to their first ever rock concert tonight, and I would really like to buy them some merchandise, but my wallet's not quite as fat as yours. So I was kind of hoping you could get <laughs> me a couple hundred bucks so I could buy them the what a, a, a scarf might be a hundred dollars each, a keychain, sticker, keychain and a sticker. <laughs> yeah. oh man it's pretty excited about it my you know, daughter's 13 my son's nine and you know this is kind of their first real concert at at, at 
at the Calgary Saddledome and they're they're pretty excited about it. I am too. It's it's an experience. I gotta ask you this, Ken. What was your first concert you went to? Oh, first concert. Well, that would have been New Kids on the Block. Going back way, way, way back. I probably was in I was in elementary school. Yeah, it was it was New Kids on the Block was my first concert. You know what? Mine too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the same tour. We've talked about this before. I'm pretty sure it was the same tour as well. Yeah, it yeah. would have been somewhere in the kind of late 80s, early 90s. I think I, I was probably six or seven years old. Yeah. And, and of course, we were at that age where we didn't go because we knew there's going to be a lot of girls there. We went because we like it was the music, right? It was, wasn't the that, you know, as you get older, you're like, well, single, I'll go to a New Kids on the Block concert, see if I can meet someone. But <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I got dragged as I had a preteen sister and an early teen sister. And well, you know, it was just the cool thing to bring your younger brother, I guess. So yeah, a funny story. I, I actually, I don't remember us ever talking about that. I didn't know that that was your first concert ever. So that's pretty yeah, funny. I, I don't remember too many before that. And I think my next one, maybe after that could have been, well, I know I saw Brian Adams at uh, what was GM Place when it first opened. That was the uh, the first official event at GM Place. I saw Brian Adams uh, in concert there. So Nice, nice. Well, why don't we get into it today, Ken? Why don't you lead off here? All right. So today, kicking it off with Are You Kidding Me? Are You Kidding Me? is brought to you by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com and use the code BELLYUPFANTASY for 20% off. Ken, I'm going to jump in first here. And I had, it's kind of one of those, I can't believe it happened again moments. And I'm going to, I'm going back to, the actual incident I'm talking about happened this week in the Blue Jays Yankees series, but I'm going to rewind the clock a little bit for some of the listeners out there. And, and this happened in the AL wildcard game, Red Sox Yankees, October 5th. I don't know how many people remember this, but I sure do. The pitches get out of the ballpark. A Stantonian home run. Now, what did, what did I do wrong? What did I see wrong? He's at first base. That was an epic call, an epic fail by John Sterling, radio guy of the New York Yankees. Stanton hits. He hit a bomb. Unfortunately, it was at Fenway Park. And it, it ricocheted off the top of the wall. And, and he's standing at first base. Kind of one of those once-in-a-lifetime moments. You think? I, you would think. Or not. Here's the 1-0. Swung on, there it goes. Deep left center. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. But caught at the wall, caught by Tapia. At the wall, caught by Tapia. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> that that happened in essentially a six-game span because it was the wild card game, which the Yankees lost, and then that was about game, Woo-hoo. like, at four or five of the Yankees season. He did it again. The, it, 
all in good fun. Uh, it's a very difficult job. When they were both hit, they looked like home runs. I will say that to Sterling. I remember watching on the Canadian feed here on Sportsnet, and they actually had panned the camera way up into the stands as if it was gone. And then in the very bottom of the TV screen was Tapia making the catch. So to be fair to Sterling, they also Stanton also psyched out the Canadian TV broadcast too. But oh, are you kidding me? The same thing in about six games. Well, uh, to, to call it gone before you know, like he's watching me on the radio. I I'm gonna say last year at the end of the season when the Jays were trying to get that one win to, to move on, they had a big series against the Yankees and because of MLB's absolutely stupid radio blackout rule, you, you can't listen to the game on the radio. I managed to get a Yankees feed through a radio app that I have on my phone. And this is, it was a huge game for the Jays. Huge. And I was at work on a Saturday and, you know, I threw it on the radio just to have on while working. And I turned it off after five minutes because of him. It was the like baseball and radio. And I love baseball. Baseball and radio has got to be probably one of the worst things in the world. You need someone who's good at the job. And I had to turn it off because it was so bad, not just Yankee bias or anything like that. Just, I couldn't stand listening to it. It was pretty bad. So the, these, the first one you sent me, and I, I laughed pretty good at that. The next, when you sent me the next one, I was just like, yeah, I can see this happening. This guy, because I remember that game and it was just so bad. So it's pretty, it's pretty funny. I just think it's funny. Very difficult job. I can see how it happens. But now he's going to go down in, in like Yankees history as to hit twice in about five games. Uh, poor Stanton. He's never going to call a Stanton home run ever again until like he sees it land outside on uh, you know on waveland avenue in wrigley field he's gonna be <laughs> and it's gone yeah i need to put him on a five second delay so that he can actually watch it leave the ballpark then do the call uh, it's all good it's all good yeah one of my are you kidding me for this week in this very very early uh baseball season is we almost had a perfect game trevor it was almost a perfect game in the first week Except when Clayton Kershaw was finished his seventh inning for the Dodgers, Dave Roberts decided to pull him from the game after seven innings and 80 pitches. Now, my brain is trying to process this, and, and one side says, We don't have okay. all day again. <laughs> yeah, as um, just tell, sorry, just tell Trevor he's number one. Uh, but I'm dyslexic sometimes, so the wrong finger gets put up. Um, one side of the brain says, okay, it's first beginning of the season. He didn't really have a spring training camp. 80 pitches is probably a lot for right now. Okay. My other side of the brain that says, forget all of that. The guy had a perfect game and is at 80 pitches. And if you're Dave Roberts, go to him, ask him, hey, Clayton, how are you doing? And if Kershaw says, my arm's done. Take him out. Ask your pitcher. If you're done, he's done. If Kershaw says, I'm good, let me go, you put him out there. But Roberts just pulled him. And that's where I'm like, are you kidding me? He just, he took him out at the end of the game. Kershaw, you kind of look on the bench right after I was watching some videos of it this morning. Looked a little disappointed. 
post-game interviews. I sent you one there, Trevor. He didn't didn't sound like he wanted to come out. Didn't sound like he needed to come out and absolutely was quite disappointed that it didn't happen. But at the same time, I'll give Kershaw credit because he was being a team guy in his response and saying, you do what you got to do to get the win. And kudos to him. But are you kidding me? It was a perfect game. You let him go until he says he can't. Uh, No, you don't. Absolutely not. It's game one, first start of the season for Kershaw. I get it's a perfect game. You can't jeopardize team success and the Yankees, or not the Yankees, or the Dodgers are, are going to be a good team. You can't jeopardize team success for an individual accolade on game start one of the season. You, you just can't. Add on top of that, the shortened spring training where he didn't get to throw as many pitches. You just can't. I don't care if it's a perfect game. If he goes out there in the eighth inning and blows his shoulder out or, or wrecks his, his forearm because he's overextended, what are you going to remember more? You're going to remember him not getting to the complete game and missing the rest of the season or getting pulled in the middle of it. It, it had to happen. I thought Kershaw handled it relatively well. I can understand his disappointment. Yeah, it's a perfect game. I get that. But he knows. He's been around long enough. And he even said it, it's it's team before the individual accolades. I got to give credit to Kershaw for having that mentality and understanding and it. I got to give credit to Kershaw for being in that situation in the first place. He didn't exactly have that great of a year last year. And in his first start of the year to, to do that, good on him. And it's a, I don't wish the Dodgers that much success because they're really good, but good on you, Clayton Kershaw. And you know what? Maybe you'll get another chance later in the season and you finish it and it's all for naught. But this was the right decision by Dave Roberts. I would have done it 100 times out of 100. It had to be done. You can't risk long-term injury in the first start of the season. Yeah, and that, that's where, like, two sides of it. Like, when one side says, yeah, okay. But I just – nowhere in there did he say, yeah, I, I, I couldn't have gone anymore or it was too much. And I think that sometimes you gotta you gotta trust your trust your guys a bit. And I don't know what if what if you take him out? I can't remember what the score was at the time, but if it's a close game and Kershaw's rolling through, you take him out to save him, so nothing does happen. But you bring someone in, and the two guys get on, and you give up a three run home run. Like if Kershaw's mowing him down, you saw it with uh, some people were calling it analytics. It was ruining baseball and sports. Because everyone's going off of the numbers and, oh, X number of times through the batting order, they're going to get to you and you take them out. Like we saw it with Kevin Cash and, um, oh, was it Blake in Snell? Yeah, Blake Snell in the in yeah. the World Series. Right, that, that cost him a game. Blake Snell was going through, but because of analytics and the third time through, they're going to get to you. He takes them out and they lose the game. They lost the World Series. So it, it's one of those things. Like I just... To me, I like I say, I, I get it, but the fan side of me also says it would have been awesome to see. Absolutely. As, as a baseball fan, a hardcore baseball fan, I would have loved to have seen it, but I, it was the right decision. It had to be done. And I just hope Kershaw pitches another gem like that again and gets the chance to finish it later on in the season. Let's 
let's hope for that. But again, first game, the start of the season, it had to be done. It really got to look at part of that too, though, is these guys weren't just sitting on their asses doing nothing in the off season. These guys were all throwing, they were all pitching to their own catchers and things like that. So it's not like they went into spring training camp and started throwing then, right? Like these guys all have an off season routine that, gets them ready to go into spring training. So the first time they step on a mound there, they're not going out for the season needing Tommy John surgery. Yeah, but we've seen it. Every team across baseball early on in the year has had their starting pitchers essentially on a pitch count of somewhere in that 75 to 90 pitches. Like every team has done it. So it's not like the Dodgers went and did something controversial. They did exactly what all of the other teams have been doing. And it's, we can't, we can't, I, the fact they even let him maybe get through seven innings is somewhat surprising that they let him go that long because those are high leverage pitches. Once you get later in the game, they didn't do anything wrong and it's happening across baseball. It's disappointing that it has to happen because they had the shortened spring because of the stupid lockout. Major League Baseball's wanna, fault. If we want to bitch and complain about anything, let's bitch and complain about that costing uh, an opportunity at a perfect game. That's, that's where it really fell off and we're not getting to see the best early on pitching hasn't been great around baseball early on and when you finally get it it gets taken out yeah and it's it's disappointing as such a huge fan that the 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 quality of the ball in my opinion so far hasn't been as good as it normally is and i used to not like how long spring training is I get it now. I really do get why you need those extra two weeks because those are, you know, potentially two extra warm-up starts for the pitchers. Well, we're now seeing those two starts at the start of the season. It just doesn't feel right in my opinion. So major league baseball, are you kidding me? No more lockouts. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be, that'd be a good start right there. Last, are you kidding me for today? And this goes to, it's another one of a, a bit of a fun one. And I'm surprised and in a good way that people weren't, at least I didn't see it bitching and complaining about this. Braves were up 14 to two on the nationals the other day. And the nationals brought in Gordon strange position player to uh, finish off the night. I think it was the eighth inning and it was 14 to two. So he's in there. Funky deliveries. Yeah. <laughs> this was, uh, I don't, can you call that a delivery? I don't know that Kevin you can Cash actually... is already trying to sign him into his bullpen yeah. with that funky <laughs> delivery. But Travis Denard is up to the plate for the Braves. And, I mean, you get it. Emotions run high in a blowout. And Gordon Strange hits him with a pitch. And if you can't tell, I'm being very sarcastic right now because that was not intentional by at any means. But it was a 50-mile-per-hour pitch that hit Denard in the shoulder and he could have sauntered out of the way of it if he really wanted to, but he stands in the box, gets plunked in the shoulder and then just falls backwards. Like he's been shot. And, and everyone on the Braves bench and even the, uh, the nationals manager had a little smile on his face. It was fun. It was something that like just brought a little levity to the game. The announcers on TV were just, they were cackling over it. They were having a good laugh. It was just fun to see. And it kind of goes, something like that would always kind of piss off the people in the unwritten rules that uh, always uh, exist in baseball. 
I just thought it was something fun to see. And it was just good. It was just fun. I thought it was ridiculous. <laughs> I really <laughs> did. It was uh, sure it's fun and it's nice to show let these guys, you know, show a little bit of personality. And yes, there's naysayers out there who are, are complaining about the this isn't baseball. It was ridiculous, but like you said, it was fun. And I gotta take this back to I actually had this conversation with my son last night. My son is joining Little League for the very first time. And I told him the most important thing about all of it is to have fun. These guys are professional ball players playing a sport that they love, just like my son loves baseball, having some fun. That is what it's all about. Sometimes we forget that. And sometimes we forget, you know, as you know, Matt Chapman, you know, runs off first base on a soft liner to end the game and gets doubled up. Sometimes we forget about, we're just supposed to have fun and all, and we criticize so much. It was ridiculous, but it was also humorous. And it's a side of the players. And I think as weird as it sounds, we need more of this after the, the lockout. People are, fans are pissed. They are. We need more of this kind of stuff where it's like you get to see some personality. The Joey Votto interview we talked about last week is, is a perfect example. <sighs> Grow the game for the kids. The kids yeah. probably thought that was hilarious. You know, they see some kid get guy get plunked with a, like a 40 mile an hour. Uh, give Gordon Strange credit. It was 50. Go 50. Okay. What's the pitch that go? They call it goes way up in the air again. Uh, oh, I totally drawn a blank here. This, oh, slow pitch. Well, yeah, but there, yeah. there's an actual pitch that it's a term, but I've totally drawn a blank. on. It's going to come to me in the middle of Jay's in flight and I'm going to blur it out. <laughs> An Ephius or a Euphius or something like that. It totally looked like that. And it, it just, he looked like he got, you. I loved it. We need more of it, but it was kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Well, it just, it was something you, like you said, you got to grow the game. That was like something I was going to bring up because these guys that all live off the unwritten rules, you don't do this, you don't do that. Like, that's what holds the game back, right? Like Gabe, Gabe Kapler of the Padres, the manager, was saying with the unwritten rules, uh, you don't want to, you don't want them bunting on you, defend the bunt. You don't want them swinging at a 3 0 pitch, throw another ball. Right. You don't want to like if you don't want to do that, just do the opposite so they can't. Right. Like that's how you take care of it. We need more fun in the game. We need to grow it so that more people are there. More people show up to the games. Um, there's still a lot of empty ballparks out there right now. So if something fun like this, as ridiculous as it may have been, is going to do that, then let's do it. Let's get more people at the game. Absolutely. We'd love to hear from you guys. What did you think of the plunking incident? Reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at the BleacherCon1 and Ken is at the BleacherCon2. So today, it was uh, April 15th. Yes, April 15th is a big day in Major League Baseball. Today is the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier in baseball. And today, the Blue Jays are celebrating that in tonight's game against the A's where everyone will be wearing number 42 for the Jays. No names on the jerseys. It's all about Jackie Robinson. And I absolutely, lovely, absolutely love that Major League Baseball 
does this every year to honor him. I think it's great. I think it's something that absolutely should be done. And I, I love it. I don't know how else to say it. It's just, it's a great day in baseball. Absolutely. It, especially in the world, uh, there's a lot of controversy going on in the world today. And there has been for the last few years. Every April 15th is always a good reminder of where we were. Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier and a reminder, we can't go back there. We can't. And things have happened in the world where it almost looks like we are, which is terrible and sad and disgusting, in my opinion. This is always a reminder of how important Jackie Robinson was to baseball and to all colored players and and everybody in the world. I applaud Major League Baseball, and this is a tradition that will never, ever, 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 ever go away, and nor should it. Bravo. Love it. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a great day in baseball. So going on, I'm going to move on to Jason flight. Jason flight is brought to you by our partners at Dr. Squatch. Click the link in our link trees, in our Twitter bios, get yourself some all natural soap for men for yourself or for someone else makes a great gift. Trevor, we're back for another week. Jason flight. We got a little bit more to talk about as we've actually had a few more games played. Well, we finished recording uh, last weekend. The Jays uh, were had won the first two games of the season, and they completed the sweep against the Texas Rangers. They were up 6-1. Oh, hang on a second. No, they didn't. I forgot. They were up 6-1. We both turned the game on, and very shortly after, they were down 12-6. We're just going to scrub that from the memory bank. What the hell happened? Uh, uh, that was a bad one. This right, you was on that game was very disappointing. It's yeah, up 6 1 against what should be a last place, close to last place team. I gotta give the Rangers some credit. I actually thought they were pretty scrappy in that first series. They gave the Jays all they could handle, and you're up 6 1. You have one of your supposed aces on the mound in, in Hunjin Ryu who looked really good through the first three innings, and then the wheels came off. Yeah. In, in the fourth inning and you know there's a lot of some unfortunate you know ball ricochets off his leg not to a defender you know the a guy hits it between two guys in the shift and it was just a lot of there was a lot of bad luck in that that fourth inning but you can't blow that game like if you want to be a true al east contender you got to finish that game off and i guess it's you know what they shouldn't have won the first game. They shouldn't have lost the third game. So all in all, a two and one record against the Rangers is probably what they deserved. Anything else to add to that, Ken? Yeah, I mean, it was unfortunate that Ryu went out when he did with that ball off the leg. Looked like he was going to come out of the game anyways, but 11 unanswered runs in that game. You got to stop the bleeding. You got, like, things happen. and. Sure, in that inning, they got a few more runs that all got attributed to Ryu because they were his batters. His ERA shows it, but does it ever? <laughs> you got to stop it. You, you got to make a play somehow, right? And if you're in the shift, like I, I'm not, I keep seeing it. And Rizzo was a perfect example of in the Yan- in this Yankee series. You got four outfielders. They're all to like 
left center and to the right, no one on the left side of the field, put a damn bunt down, learn to hit to that side. Like, I don't like it for that reason because you're just giving up on it. And if you are going to do the shift, there's no way in hell the ball should get past you. Like, you got too many up. guys on that side. I want to ask you about this, Ken, because I don't – is it just me or are the Jays even more overly exaggerating the shift so far early this year than last year? I don't remember them – and maybe I'm just having short-sighted memory. I don't remember them going with a four-fielder, outfielder set very often. And I just feel like they're really – over dramatizing it this year early on is it just me or is this a, a, an actual thing i think i've seen it more this year and i know rizzo gets the four outfielder and maybe he came to the yankee he didn't start this year with the yankees right so maybe we're seeing it more now because we're seeing anthony rizzo more and he can't hit the ball to the left side or bunt it to the left side to save his life it's either like hey anthony we need you to bunt to the left side of the field or you're going to single a and he's like I can't do it. I think they're doing it more. It's almost like, okay, we can't do it next year. So we're going to get it all in right now. We're going to do it more. We're going to go out big with a bang. You know, as I said, I'm not a fan of the shift. I'm also not a fan of banning the shift because make your players get better. Make your players be able to hit to the other side. Your professional ball player. It shouldn't be that difficult for you to go the other way with it. Right. No, I, I totally agree. I'm going to quickly just go back to the, the lost win against the Rangers. What kind of threw me on that game is the bullpen couldn't lock it down. I think you had, you had Merriweather come in, you had Stripling come in, you had Saucedo come in. None of them were able to even like remotely lock it down and let the team, the offense try to get back in the game. That to me was what was the most disappointing is they let the, the train go right off the tracks and you'll full credit to the Rangers that, you know, you don't score 12 runs by accident. So, but yeah. they just, they couldn't lock it down to give the offense the chance like they did in the first game of the season where they did lock it down and lo and behold, they came back. So just disappointing that in my opinion, you let a win slip away. And we know from last year, what one win can do. And I hope they don't uh, lament this one, but let's move on to, the four-game set, Jays versus Yankees at Yankee Stadium this week. A couple of the contenders in the AL East. Well, there's four contenders in Baltimore, so any series not against Baltimore will be classified as a juggernaut. They finished two and two. We said it, I said it last week. To me, as long as the Jays, they got these 30 games in 31 days against really tough competition i said as long as they're somewhere around 500 that's a success that's a win they went two and two in this series and to be fair that's probably how it should have played out i don't have an issue with it i know there's a lot of people upset on blue jays twitter that they felt like the jays didn't really show this weekend and we're going to get into that because there there's some areas where they didn't but at the end of the day you went two and two in a tough ballpark against a good team also facing their two top starters in, in that series. I personally don't have a huge issue with the way this series played out Win loss record wise. I do have a bit of an issue that with some individual performances we're going to get into. Ken, what was your take on the series in general? Yeah, like you're right. There's four contenders and Baltimore and 
you're going to play the Yankees, the Rays, the Red Sox 19 times each. And you got to come out of that with a better like 500, or, or obviously you can't be 500, but at least don't lose those four game series. You have to come close to over 500 against these guys to be there because almost just shy of 50% of your season is played with an in-division. So you have to win those games and you have to win those series. And anytime you're in a four-game series, the goal should be, obviously you would want to win it, but don't lose it. Don't lose the series. Uh, I don't have an issue. Yeah. And I don't have an issue with that. You know, one of the games was delayed uh, because of rain for quite a bit of time. And, you know, luckily for the Yankees, it wasn't a Garrett Cole start. So didn't have to worry about being delayed because it was definitely more than four minutes. As a team record, four and three right now, overall, that's not bad. Like I I said, 20 and 15 out of these 35 games is being a little optimistic. Um, Yeah, I I don't want to see them lose a series. And that's that's a big thing. You need to have good, consistent play. And if you if you win or split a series, you're probably going to come out better in the standings than if you if you're losing them. Totally agree. I want to move on to some individual performances from this past week. And the first one I want to touch on is Alec Manoa. Started game one of the series. He was light out in 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 this game. He his fastball was faster than last year. It looks like he may be incorporating a little bit more of a changeup. And if it's, I saw a tweet where it more or less said, if his changeup is even average, look out. Well, it was average and look out, man, he was good in that game. This, he is a big money pitcher, big game pitcher. I tweeted out earlier about him being a dark horse to win the Cy Young. Nothing I saw in that first start didn't, doesn't, doesn't prove me wrong, in my opinion. I think he might be the best pitcher on the staff. Ken, was there an individual performance for you that stood out this week that you want to talk about? Well, I want to touch on Manoa for a second because six innings of one hit ball, a zero ERA, which compared to some of the other starters is absolutely fantastic. Um, he had seven strikeouts and four walks. That's a hell of a game. Walks are a little high, but he's always been yeah. in a little all over the zone. If, if he can kind of bring those down and keep the pitch count down because of it, he's going to have a hell of a year. But if you average that out, that's less than a, a runner on base per inning through his outing. So yep. to me, if you're keeping the guys off the base like that, if you only, if you, as a starter, you're only putting five guys on base, that's a good game, unless it's the first inning or a third of an inning. Jordan Romano, let's stick with pitchers here. Jordan Romano, zero, zero ERA, and he's got four saves. Jay's and broke a, broke a club record, <laughs> most consecutive saves. I think it was yeah. 25 or 26, passing the great Tom Hankey, the Terminator. Yeah. But whenever you're passing Tom Hankey in the in the Jays record book, you know you've done a good job. Yeah, but he four wins, four saves. It's it's coming off of his work at the back end of that. Um he's got, you know. Garcia setting him up. He's pitched three innings, one hit ball, and a zero ERA. The guys in the bullpen at the back end where you want them shutting it down are shutting it down. And I think that's a, that's a great thing to have right now. On the offensive side of it, one night, Vladdy Jr. 
<laughs> against against the Yankees and Garrett Cole. I mean, Garrett Cole came out eventually, but in that game, he was four for four, three home runs and a double. And if anyone ahead of him in the ninth inning could have got on base, he would have had a chance to go five for five. He had a hell of a night. And that was most of that came after two of his home runs and his double came after having his hand stepped on and requiring stitches at the end of the game. So on an offensive side of it, Vladdy had a hell of a performance against uh, Garrett Cole and the Yankees. I want to quickly touch on the Yankees heading into the season. I question their pitching. I don't know that I do as much anymore. Their bullpen throughout the entire series really, really shut it down for the Blue Jays. And one thing that I really noticed was the ability for their back end of that bullpen and all their arms to get strikeouts. Like they struck out the Jays a ton this series. We saw the game where Vlad got struck out three times. It's the first time ever that one pitcher has struck him out three times in a series. I didn't think their pitching was as good as it was. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just early on. I was impressed with their bullpen, especially. I was actually really impressed with Garrett Cole because other than his at-bats to Vlad, he was really, really on. And it's, you know, painting the corners. And I tweeted at you while you're still working. I said, Vlad's hit a bomb, but Garrett Cole's on. I was surprised they won that game. And it took a one-man effort to do it because he was on. So I – I may have to retrace my steps a little bit when I on the Yankees pitching staff because it secretly might be better than I thought it was. Well, I'm going to reserve any walking anything back or not because it's your home opener series, your opening weekend at, at or your opening series at home, Yankee Stadium. Everything's hyped up. Everything is, everyone's there. You got the crowd, you're at home, you want to impress. Let's go a little bit into the season and when we play the Yankees for the second or third time if the bullpen and their starting pitching is still doing what they're doing maybe i'll i'll look back and reconsider but one thing too like you talk about the strikeouts um buck and uh dan were talking to uh josh donaldson about the 15 16 jays which he was a part of and this team and what the comparisons for it for how they hit how they play and donaldson said that this team is good. The, the, you know, the 22 team, the current Jays are a really good team, but where the 15, 16 Jays had a bit of an advantage or were a little bit maybe ahead of them where they were a little more disciplined. You didn't have as many strikeouts. So I think is the Yankees striking out the Jays like that uh, a result of the Yankee pitching or the Jays young guns, being aggressive because that was an older team in 15, 16. They had a few years. I think almost that team was almost averaging 30 at age. These guys are averaging 26, 27. So there's a, they were a few years ahead of them and maybe had a little more discipline. And maybe that's why you're seeing a few more opposing pitchers having better strikeout numbers against the Jays. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, you know what, I'm going to bring it up now. It's kind of, in my opinion, an elephant in the room, and that is the offense early on. There's been some good performances. You've got Vlad uh, has started off the season really well. What, four home runs and eight, nine RBIs in eight, seven uh, games? Eight RBIs. Eight RBIs, sir, off the top of my head. On pace for well over 100 RBIs. Vlad's been off to a good start. 
Santiago Espinal started off with a good start. It's kind of tailed off. He went uh, three for three in the last game against, or the first game of the Yankees series, but then 0 for 11 since. There's some guys that aren't off to a good start. Most importantly to me, and there's two that really, I, I know two, there's three that really stand out to me. Bo Bichette, you want to talk about strikeouts. He's already got nine strikeouts leading the team. Him tied with a few other guys. Hitting out of the two hole ahead of Vladdy, only hitting 219, nine strikeouts. That I have all the faith in the world Bo Bichette's going to turn it around, but it's been a slow start. Other slow starts, Matt Chapman has really only had one or two significant hits. He, he's batting, what, so like... Uh, buck 90. Buck 90. I was going to say buck 92. Buck 90. He's also got nine strikeouts. He's only hit one home run. Uh, I think he's got three or four RBIs. He, he just, he looks uncomfortable at the plate early on. And he missed some good pitches in the series against the Yankees. A, a couple of hanging sliders, a couple of fastballs right down Broadway. He looks a little out of sorts to me. Another guy looks out of sort, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Again, only batting like a buck 92. With, with the injuries that have happened, and we're going to talk about that here shortly, you're going to need protection from those three guys more than you've had. Because it's it hasn't been good enough so far. And Gurriel Jr. is really, really hit and miss. When he's hot, man, that guy hits 400 for a month. But when he's not, he hits a buck 92. Like, he's really, really hit and miss. I'm expecting big things from him this year, but if Bichette, Chapman, and Gurriel Jr. don't step it up soon, that's putting a lot of extra pressure on Springer, Vlad, to produce every night. Yeah. Well, you wonder, the, oh, Sorry, go you ahead. go ahead. You go. I was just going to say with Mac Chapman, could it be new team, big expectations put on him? Absolutely. That he's trying yeah. to do too much, right? Yeah. I like, I hope you, I think he'll turn it around. It's probably just, he came in with such expectations, like defensively he's all world, but new team, new coaches, new players to get used to. I think it'll come around for him. Bichette, Bichette and Guriel. I think it goes to these guys are looked to as leaders and maybe they're putting way too much pressure on themselves. That's maybe they're I looking at is go, we got to do this. We're the guys. And it's great that they have that mentality, but just dial it back a little bit and just calm it down. Get those good at bats back in there. Just stop trying to hit a home run on every pitch. You know, the longer you're out there on offense hitting, the longer the pitcher has to be out there. You're going to burn up more pitchers. If you're knocking the ball around the park, just go for the hits. The home runs will come. The runs will come with base hits and doubles. I think there's a lot of pressure on themselves right now, especially Chapman, uh, Bichette, and Gurriel a little bit. What kind of one of the concerning things for me with Bo Bichette early on, and we saw this last year, is he's he's very very aggressive at the plate. He's one of the guys swings at the first pitch, some of the most in baseball. Well, one thing we're seeing early on this year is he's chasing a lot of balls out of the zone on the first pitch and falling behind in counts as a result. It's hard to hit 0-1 as opposed to 1-0. I think Bichette might have to work on a little bit more patience at the plate. The book's out. He like he's aggressive, and he yeah. likes to swing early. Well, you're not going to see those, you know, grooving a, a fastball, trying to get ahead in the count, you know, 0-1. 
you're not going to see that as much. And I think he, he has to dial it back just a touch. I have all the faith in the world that Bo Bichette is still at the end of the year going to be a 30 home run guy, a 300 hitter with 100 RBIs. I just think he might have to change his approach a little bit. There's a couple more guys in the lineup I, I, I want to talk about. Alejandro Kirk with the injury to Danny Jansen. Alejandro Kirk is going to start seeing a lot more at bats. He also looks uncomfortable early on at the plate. He's got a, a 200 average. When he did have some success, some success, he was taking balls to right field, hitting them on a line. The Jays, and I can't believe I'm saying this, that they're going to miss Danny Jansen. They really are. Jansen, at the end of September last year, hit 300 through September. He started off in his first four games before getting injured or three games, you know, going four for seven or something like that for 571. Five, 571. 571. Like he's – the Jays are going to miss Danny Jansen. And he was providing power too. Like he had two home runs in those games. Yeah. Alejandro Kirk, the Jays really need him to step up. And he doesn't have to hit 300, but he needs to have productive at-bats. And if he can't, there's going to be a bit of a void there. And one more guy we have to talk about, and I don't want to, is Kevin Biggio. He's had nine plate appearances this year. He's only put the ball in play three times. He struck out... Four, almost half is at bats. He's only walked twice. We talked about him last week, and this storyline isn't going away. And I really, really hope for Kevin Biggio's sake that he gets on a on a heater here right away because this might snowball for him, and I don't want it to because I like Kevin Biggio. I just feel like there's something missing there right now. And for him, it's gotta be confidence. It's gotta be confidence. Yeah. And I'm, I'm legit worried about him. I really, really am. Well, you were, you were three at bats nicer to him than you should have been. He's only had six at bats in six games, struck out four times, walked twice. Yeah, but he he's, has, he's had nine plate appearances because some of those are walks. So. No, no, I'm looking at his at bats. He has six at bats. That's Unless I, you know, not showing it on here, but he's six games, six at bats, and either way, he's he's not doing anything. He's not getting it. He doesn't have a hit. He's only scored one run, and yeah, I mean, if if Santiago Espinal can, I mean, he's batting two thirty eight. As long as he can consistently do that or slightly better and get himself on base, Biggio's going to have a tough time getting back into the lineup. Because you're almost an automatic out right now, and Espinal is not. So either way, the numbers aren't great for Espinal, but they're two two thirty eight times better than Kevin Biggio's. Yeah, it, another guy, Ramiel Tapia. He's only got two hits in in sixteen plate appearances, hitting a buck forty three. Like. There's a lot of guys who are getting relatively regular at-bats for the Blue Jays right now who are struggling. And this shows how good this team is. You've got a bunch of guys struggling, and you're still 4-3 and three and above 500 and took two of two games at Yankee Stadium. Some positives from the, the Yankees uh, series. Alec Manoa and Kevin Gosman had solid, solid starts. 
Kikuki was a magician, let's say. He, uh, his numbers weren't terrible. <laughs> he definitely got out of a lot of jams. That's a tough ballpark to pitch in. I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna reserve judgment of one start against a solid lineup at Yankee Stadium. We got some decent starting pitching against the the Yankees, which is good because this team's supposed to have good pitching. I'm very interested to see this series coming up against the Oakland Athletics if they can continue that. The, you know, you've got Ryu going again. Can he? You know. Can he mow down a less than potent Oakland Athletics lineup and get some early season uh, confidence going? I hope so. Uh, I'm anticipating the Blue Jays should take at least two of three against the Athletics, but if the offense doesn't get it rolling a little bit more, this, like we saw against the Rangers, it could be a scrappy series. It really could. Talk about the A's should be, you know, you expect to take two or three, if not all three, but. Was it the A's that gave the Rays a hell of a time and put up a bunch of runs against them? Yeah, absolutely. that's right. Like you'd like to go into a series going, okay, we we've, we've got this on paper, but you can't. You got to go in there with every, like you know, every game is going to be a tough matchup because a team can put it to you. The team can score twelve, you know, sorry, eleven unanswered runs, and uh, and take a game from you that you should have had. So. Yeah, it should be good. You got Ryu, Manoa uh, for the first two. Uh, Stripling's actually starting. They're, oh, they're pushing them back. Yeah, they're going Stripling, uh, Ryu, Manoa to give some extra rest. Okay. Which I don't mind. when you know That's kind of the purpose of having Ross Stripling around is he can give you a spot start here and there to give the extra rest. And when you're playing 30 and 31, an extra day off here and there for the starters is probably a good thing. Well, hopefully he leaves his nine ERA in the bullpen for this one and brings the starters ERA. <laughs> uh, we had some significant injury news this week with the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez sounds like it's not quite as serious as initially thought. I think he's an oblique injury or something. Last time he had that, he missed nine or 10 games. Yeah. Uh, so far, Montoyo doesn't think it's as bad, but... That's one of those ones you can re-aggravate it pretty easily. So, you know, I, I'm going to stay on the side of caution. And if you have to leave Tiosker out for a couple of extra games, maybe you do that. That's a yeah. big loss, though, in the middle of that lineup. Who, it who is. Opinion, Ken, how do they fill that hole in the short term? Is it Kevin Biggio DHing full-time and giving you a little bit of production? Or do you just look at some of the guys we just singled out, Guriel, uh, Bichette and Chapman really just picking it up. Yeah, I think offensively, you got to look at your core guys, your big guys, and say, okay, we need you to produce a bit more. I think if if those guys, Guriel, Bichette, and Chapman are hitting and producing, you're, you're fine. You want your guys lower in the lineup to just get on base. Don't be an easy out. And I, the, the Jays are so potent that Teoscar being out for a little bit, it's not ideal, but it's not a season ender. So it's not going to put anything in jeopardy. So I think you look at that and you, you go, yeah, we need a little bit more out of you guys. And I think that defensively, they've got some guys that they picked up Tapia. They picked up Zimmer. They've got guys that can go in and play the position. You just need them to be somewhat productive at the plate. You don't, you can't ask them to go in there and replace 
to Oscar's offense. Totally agree. And Danny Jansen, we kind of touched on that. To me, that's a very noticeable loss behind the plate. And again, I can't believe I'm saying this because neither you or I were, you know, the biggest Danny Jansen guys, but not having him in the lineup, we have seen a bit of a dip in the overall productivity, not even just on the offensive side, but defensively, you know, Alejandro Kirk's not quite as good as Danny Jansen. To me, it's, it sounds like he might be out for a while and this could be a tough one. This, this really could be a tough one for the Jays to uh, deal with. Do we see prize prospect Gabriel Moreno sooner than later as a result? I, I'm going to lean on the side of no, but you know, if Alejandro Kirk and, and uh, I can't even think of the guy, the other backup, Zach Collins and yeah, Tyler, sorry, Zach Collins, thanks. Tyler Heineman. If they don't hit, you might see them. Yeah, well, they were talking about Moreno in the in the last game that I was watching, and he's in Buffalo. He's getting that taste of AAA ball. It's his first taste of it. He, I'm gonna go with no, regardless regardless of how it goes with Jansen out. No, you don't because you already have your lone major league caliber catcher in Jansen out of the lineup. Prior to last year and, and Alejandro Kirk coming up, he never played above double A ball and then got thrown into the into the bigs and, you know, had a great production at the plate and things like that in a severely small sample size. And now he's a big leaguer. The guy never played triple A ball. That, the Jays playing in Buffalo was his only experience there. So, no, you don't go to yet another non-major league caliber catcher because Zach Collins I don't think was an everyday major league player for the White Sox Tyler Heineman I honestly I would be 100% I don't think so either I don't know much about him right now the Jays are still carrying three catchers and I wouldn't classify them as it's not a knock against them this isn't me being negative or trying to put them down I don't think that they're everyday major league catchers right now if they were the White Sox wouldn't have traded Collins and Heineman would still be with the Cardinals I think but if something happens, if it continues to go south, could you see other prospects be moved out in a deal for a more seasoned veteran catcher who could then back up Jansen or push for a starting position and you leave Kirk at DH? I don't know. I don't think you go to the minors, though. Yeah, I'm interested to see how this plays out. It's why we're talking about it. I think this is a way more significant injury than, than it was initially kind of let, uh, taken as. Danny Jansen has become kind of a, a staple, an important person in the Toronto Blue Jays' everyday lineup. And this one's going to hurt. I, I'm, I'm a little worried. I, I legit am worried about how this is going to play out. The, the starting pitchers also have lost their, their starting catcher. Like there could be that impact as well. And, and Alejandro Kirk's been okay behind the plate. It's just some of these guys are used to pitching to Danny Jansen. Some of them. Ryu. Ryu is a perfect Ryu, example. Perfect example. Is there going to be that impact? I hope not, but the injury bug definitely bit the Blue Jays this week. Let's hope it's not as serious. If another, we're one injury away on the Toronto Blue Jays right now from kind of being in deep shit. (laughs) 
This, there Uh-oh, isn't land. a lot. There isn't like the starting nine of the Blue Jays is really good. Once you get past into the depth and having to test it a little bit, they're not as deep. And I'm, I just hope they stay healthy the next couple of weeks because if another big guy goes out of this lineup, all of a sudden it's not as deep and you're, you're only four or five good guys deep and not six or seven like they're, they're usually are. And, and then you're really putting stress on the starting pitching to, which I think they're capable of, but you're really putting stress on that starting staff to, you know, be an ace every night. And that could be tough. So let's go back to the Teoscar injury. He, he took a cut. It was a big cut and you could tell he was in discomfort there. And even Charlie and this, what I'm going to say, it's not a shot at Charlie Montoyo for this, but Charlie saw it. He could tell that he was in discomfort and he came around to the top step of the dugout and kind of asked him if he was okay and almost took a step out like he was going to call time and come and talk to him. In that situation, during the at-bat, would you have taken the trainer out to check on him and potentially lifted him mid-at-bat? Uh, I'm going to say potentially. It all happened so fast. Like, he took the swing. He was in discomfort. Montoya, you could see it. Like, he saw that something was potentially not right. And he kind of, like you said, he came around to the steps. But then it was like, it was almost like, Teoscar was back in the box and, and ready to go. I do think somewhat that uh, Montoya probably should have kind of taken the lead here and, and called time and gone out with the trainer. Like you see it all the time where, you know, a, a pitcher throws a pitch and they slightly cringe and it's like, Whoa, 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 stop. Like we got to check this guy out. I kind of feel like maybe that should have happened, but I'm not, I'm not about to blame Montoya at all for and that's not what I was yeah, going for either. The, the Tosker injury. But yeah, I, I do think he probably should have gone out there with the trainer to have a quick chat. Would it have changed anything? Probably not. Tiosca probably would have stayed in for the, the at bat and the, the outcome would have been the same. But you know what? It, it it doesn't hurt to at least go out and ask. So I just hope that he's not injured for a long time that, you know, Teoscar provides so much in the middle of that lineup. He provides backing to black. Yeah. And, and that's one of the biggest things that we're, that's going to be missing is that backing of Vlad. And that's where you're going to need Chapman, Guriel, Bo Bichette, one of them hitting behind Vlad to start peppering the ball all over the field. So they have to pitch to Vlad. If not, then this could be a pretty uh <laughs> That was me run scored over the next couple of weeks. If someone's got to step up hitting behind Vlad to make it so Guerrero has to see pitches. I, I think it would have been a good idea to go out there, call time and have him just take an easy cut, take an easy cut, turn the hips, whatever. Cause he would have felt it. If he does, if he cringes there, you pull someone off the bench, you pull Zimmer, say, okay, you're in. Yeah, sure. He's going to go in with a, you know, two strike count. I think he had at the time, but whatever you potentially you're dealing with a minor injury versus something that could be a lot worse, you know, a handful of games versus are we talking 10 or more? So I I would have taken, I would have taken time and probably checked on him and maybe made the uncomfortable call of taking him out mid at bat. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that. Blue Jays nation. On Twitter, what are you guys thinking about the start to the Jays? I know there's some people panicking. We're four and three. You just came off a four-game set. 
against New York. You split it I, again off the top. I don't think that's a bad thing. We'd love to hear from you guys on Twitter. I'm at the Bleacher Con one and Ken is at the Bleacher Con two. Yeah, so it was very baseball centric today, which is never a bad thing. Uh, lots of lots of big things coming up, though, in the near future here in the world of sports. We've got the NHL season winding down, getting close to the playoffs. I know my team is doing what they can to try and stay in the race. It's a tough one, but they're still they're doing what they have to do. Trevor's team is trying to make it interesting by delaying clinching, I guess. Bit of a I don't know if you want to call it a slump, Trevor, but they've they've hit a snag. They've lost a few games here. They, they've they just they lost one game after winning five in a row. Was it five in a row? Well, it was before that. I thought they were hitting a. I don't pay that much attention to the Flames. I try not. Uh, maybe to. you should. You <laughs> might learn something about being a hockey fan. Well, we could give you some notes on how to beat the Golden Knights. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for no help on that one last night either, bud. Um, we got NBA playoffs coming up. Your Raptors are facing the 76ers. My Grizzlies are going to get the Timberwolves. It's going to be interesting. That starts this weekend. Lots of stuff coming on. Baseball's in, in full swing now. Lots for us to talk about. That's our show for this week. As always, don't forget to check out Belly Up TV. Uh, you can get that on Tiki Live. You can get it on Roku and other streaming devices. Check out bellyupsports.com on the website. Check out all the articles that are written. I'm having a moment right now. It's the whole Friday thing throwing me off. Bellyupsports.com. Lots of articles on all those different sports in the world. You got MMA. You got basketball, football. Lots of fantasy news. Uh, check it all out. That's our show for this week. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone.